Phil Rockerlin, and welcome to Video Game Bullshit. This is Master Daniel Piscina. Get over here to Video Game Bullshit. This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got guys. Hey, hey. I'm big into uh, No Death Runs, High Score Runs, uh, collector of all things vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. Also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. Eugene Jarvis was saying about like Robotron, like you have the part where you can kill the guys, but that's that's not enough. Then you have to have the guy that you can't kill, and then that's still not enough. Now you have to have the family that you have to save. Now you create the chaos. <laughs> All of that connected creates the madness. Something that has to make it a little hard, a little crazy. Evil Otto, you know, stuff like Evil that. Evil Otto, yeah, if you're taking too long. What's so it's, the, it's the big-ass smiley face that if you uh, take too long in any screen, he comes over, and he literally you can't kill him, and he uh, I see. Accurate. He's a, he's a constant menace as you're playing. Yeah, he's in Berserk, and it's kind of like if you take too long. Um, Smash TV has that, too, where if you sit on the screen too long, the the uh, stage actually creates hazards. I think they're, what are they, like bandsaws or something that like comes to get you? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, get going, you know, which which is interesting for Smash TV because they, they do want, you know, new quarters you know, more people to pump in quarters. So they're trying to get you off the the arcade machine, which is always the funny thing about the arcade, if you think about it. Trying to maximize their quarter ratio. I always call that, like, riding the bull, because the whole time you're, like, riding the bull. They're, it's trying to throw you off, you know, <laughs> like a rodeo. Yeah, they do want to throw your ass off the freaking bull. And if they can't, you're Billy Mitchell sitting mm. in Pac-Man on one quarter. They're going to be losing money if that happens too often in too many arcades. Well, the cool thing about the arcades, Eugene Jarvis says he has Robotron 2084 in his basement. He's like, basically, it'll take me um, a good hour to get warmed up, but it's like a musician. When you're warmed up and you're feeling sweaty and loose, and when you're actually, you have to get in that pissed off state. Get in that zone. Really concentrated, but a little agitated. And then that's when you start to actually hit those levels and you get into those voids and those zones, you know, where you're like untouchable. But then eventually you start to get a little lazy, you know, and then you start to fall off a little bit. And that's when you start getting killed again. Then you'll die a few times and you have to like concentrate again. So there's that whole aspect to the arcades where you just have to keep plowing away at it. 
to really get good at it. Absolutely. I mean, the more comfortable you get with it, you know, the whole mastering a thing by doing it a million times aspect, like the more you play it, the better you'll fucking get. Yeah. That's how a lot of games are. The better you, the more you train at it. Sure you don't fucking think about it. Yeah. Like the paths in your brain, you have to like, and, and if, if you stop playing a game for a while and you come back to it, you got to kind of reestablish, you know, your skill. That's the other thing. It kind of falls off mm. real quick, too, that I notice. Like the atrophy. Skill atrophy, I guess you could call it. Skill atrophy. If nice. it happens quick. Ooh, that's a nice term. Our fucking copyright. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> like it, your body's a machine and your brain is a machine. And a machine likes to be well-oiled and likes to be active. You know, that's what a, what a machine does. It has to do. And if you don't, it's going to do the atrophy thing and... That's just the whole thing about it. You know? And that comes up full circle with projects and making time for everything that we enjoy, including playing games and working on other stuff on the side, you know, hanging out and recording the podcast on Thursdays. Every aspect is that you literally got to keep it well-oiled and keep it going. Yeah. Full circle madness right there. Object in motion stays in motion and object in rest stays at rest, right? Yeah. Inertia. You're talking about inertia, right? There we go. Yes. Well, yeah. Some, the, some the, physics the classic, on BGBS. The classicness is that you know if we forget to, um, or if we don't do something, it's very easy to get into the habit of not doing it anymore. Like, say, for example, we record yeah. Thursday. We stop one Thursday, and like, maybe we'll stop two Thursdays. Maybe That's we'll inertia, right there. Exactly. Or like, or like yeah. playing our bullshit homework, and we would procrastinate. Like for a while, and then all of a sudden, it's like we get a bug up our ass and we fucking make it happen. <laughs> and this is a game that we're playing for the podcast. Imagine everything else in the backlog as all gamers' backlogs grow. Inertia, a tendency to do nothing or to remain unchanged. Exactly. A property of matter by which it continues in its existing state of rest or uniform motion unless that state is changed by an external force. Case in fucking point. We call that we call that Kyle Fuchs moments. <laughs> that's true. That's that's right on point. That's what it is, and that's yeah. what you don't want to be. Like you want right. to constantly be. You want to. You don't want you to be just at that one state. You want to constantly be in motion and keep. Yes. You know, keep uh-huh. keep your practice because that's the same thing. Like working out or whatever you do, you want to keep that practice going on because if you don't, they're going to lose it. Use it or lose it. You know. Yes. Yep. Oh yeah. Exactly. Amazing. Goes through every single aspect now we're giving bgbs fucking life lessons yes <laughs> breaking the third wall gotta love it <laughs> well that's the cool thing about being in the gaming world it's not just about gaming it's about other things too there's there's it's all kinds of aspects can be a part of it you know and i think that that's important you know how are we going to follow our dreams if we don't if we don't keep pushing if we just, we don't want to be the person who's just in the basement, all we're doing is playing the game. That's not all we, we don't have time for that. You know, we're adults now. So we have to live, live life and incorporate that as a part of our life. We're in a unique generation right now that people are going to talk about in the future because we're literally taking things like retro gaming and we're all applying our spin on it. So like, for example, you're, you're using your passion for what you've been brought up on with education and your history and developing your own version and applying it to the medium that we all love. Exactly. 
and I'm taking my OCDness into the books. We're all taking our bullshitness onto the podcast aspect. And every single one of these is recording history in a different way. And we're all doing it at the same fucking time. <laughs> like, it's a crazy fucking world that we're living in right now. It's amazing. Totally agree. Crazy time capsules. Time capsules. <laughs> For the future to enjoy. Exactly. And, and it would be interesting to see how people look back on this generation and be like, oh, they all just fucking wasted their time playing fucking games. <laughs> but really, we're all chronicling what we're doing while we do it, which is... Exactly. Exactly. And we're doing something that is going to change the historical atmosphere. What we're doing is going to change history. We're not wasting our time. We're making something that will make will make an impact. And we have to do that. Those that don't understand will judge because they're not thinking the way that we're thinking. And we haven't even dug into the guys that are literally programming new games, too. That's another side of the fucking coin. Oh. Totally. Oh. <laughs> and it's a lot of effort. It's like it's like film. Like as an actor. There's so much stuff that goes into every movie. Like people have no idea what goes behind the scenes. That's How much the other effort thing. and work that, that's in it. And that's the same thing with gaming. It's not just, oh, here's a, here's some sprite that's moving across the screen. No, there's a lot of effort that all these things being put interconnected. There's blood, sweat, and tears put into it. So yeah. you know Yeah, and as Right, and as as a consumer, you're you like even judge it and stuff like that. And that's that's the whole crazy part about it. That um, once mm-hmm. you understand what what goes into it, you almost need that passion to drive you, yeah, to to the end point because everyone else is you know they're just gonna like take it and consume it because it's a product and that's the problem with that. Like, whereas what's cool, like ten or twenty years later, after the consumer stage where it's a fresh release and ooh, this is new, check it out, da da da. 10 or 20 years later, people come back to it and see it in a different way. Some things age better than others, of course, but that's that's kind of the other way to look at it, where the longevity, you almost want to create something that will have longevity, like timeless, you know? Something that's timeless, like the old arcade games. It's just something that will last forever. Because I, I notice like a lot of stuff nowadays, a lot of films, there's like a short lifespan kind of mentality where let's just make a quick buck now, but 10 or 20 years from now, are we going to be talking about this film or are we still going to be talking about Nosferatu? Like that's the thing. A hundred percent true. A hundred percent true. It's not even 1% true. That's a hundred because, and that's what you want to do. Like look at Labyrinth, look at all these movies, even though that like the stuff that in the eighties, like, and I feel like sometimes in the eighties, they put a lot of effort than now there. It's just like, in 90s it's just like now i'm just gonna bake schlock i'm not gonna actually put the real effort into it i'm just gonna be like okay here's this i'm trying to produce it let me make some money and i'm like well then you don't really care about this art and yeah you'll make some money but you're right it's just gonna go into the dumpster eventually it's not like look mm-hmm. at unfortunately look at like 2012 for example as a movie you know by um what's his name um the dude who did independence day michael bay no, he does Terminator. <laughs> he does Transformers. No, it's this, he, he's a German. He's a German. Cameron. I'm just gonna start naming random people. It's a German dude. It's uh, fuck, Roland Emmerich. Emmerich, yeah, it's a Roland. 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 
Yeah, Roland uh, Emmerich is. Uh, there we go. He's 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 really like he makes these like the same schlocky movies over again. All the disaster movie. He doesn't have these developed characters. The great disaster happens, and then it's like that's it. And it's like okay, here's a flash in the pan, but it's not like this really developed epic like Star Wars, for example. Or I would say even Star Trek. I think Star Trek is an epic series you know where they have these deep philosophical ideas that are questioning and you know you might have those like in the series you have these cheesy costumes and stuff but the ideas are still relevant till now you know they're still relevant till now and that's what we want to do when we produce whatever art that we make is that that it's not just relevant for this second it's relevant for the future too timeless and timeless exactly Independence Day does have a shelf life because, like, who who talks about that anymore? But when that came out, it was huge. Yeah, that's true. It was a big but it old shriveled block. up like a little raisin, though. <laughs> built to last, you know. You gotta make a machine built to last. You just put a bunch of money into something, and no one like gives a shit. That's all that is. Like, <laughs> it's just kind of like here, fund it. All right, hire some people, but. There's no one there actually like cares directly about it. You don't seem to want to accept the fact that you're dealing with an expert in guerrilla warfare. Are you telling me that 200 men against your boy is a no-win situation for us? You send that money, don't forget one thing. A good supply of body bags. Sylvester Stallone. This time, he's fighting for his life. First blood. No, the first one's really interesting because he's trying to survive. He gets triggered. Like, he, you know, when you hear people talk about triggers, we hear about that now all the time. People get triggered. No, th- this is a real <laughs> trigger. This isn't like these phony triggers where people are like, I'm triggered. I- I'm sorry. You've triggered me. I'm really hurt now. I'm like, for real? Like, any any controversial thing you hear is going to trigger you, really? Oh yeah, everything, man. You spun around too fast. Trigger. Well, yeah. and, and you you have two huge parts of that 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 make that movie work too. You have Brian Dennehy as like right. the asshole cop, like he's so good at being a douche, though. He is that like you hate him, like you fucking hate him, like to your core. You're totally right. You're totally and it right. Makes it. It makes it. And then you have the builder, which was you know. Troutman, who, like, builds Rambo up. Rambo is the most badass guy that I've ever seen. You know, take out anybody. He was the master. So you have the builder that builds the character, and then you have the the person that doesn't want the character to succeed. Like, all those pieces, though, create the perfect uh, ground. Then, you know, once you hit the sequel, it just starts to get, like, regurgitated. Really no feeling. Even how they, they kill out the girl in the second Rambo. That was so awful. That was the off, most awful thing in that movie. That's it? She's dead? Like, that's all you have? What the fuck? You, you built this female up, and then you just killed her off like nothing. Like, that's the other thing, too. When you build up a character, and there's no, no payoff. payoff. No payoff, yeah. I hate that. And she dies in the most stupid way ever. I was like, I, I you're right. Yeah. They just kill this girl off who's like the love interest, and you know she's str- and then she just gets shot. It's like it's not even some catharsis, like you know, you know this deep thing where he's fighting the major antagonist or something, and then she's spared, you know, saves. Like no, it's like she just like disappears. Like they leave the place and then she dies. You know, yeah, because Rambo isn't like someone who's going to meet a girl every day. 
So that's what makes her special. Like they were like soulmates. Exactly. That's, He's a really traumatized person. He's not a yeah. normal person who can get into a relationship, normally speaking, you know? Exactly. And she's traumatized too. That would have been a very interesting relationship to develop. They just fucking you know? threw it in the garbage. They shit canned it. Like, really? <laughs> it's just crazy the decisions they make. I don't know. <laughs> but it is. It is. Did I think. Like a waste. The pro- because the thing is, sometimes, like, I'm just going to be honest. They, they call it a dick flick where they're just like, no, let's, we just want men here. We don't want the women. We, we, yeah, this has like. to just be all men. Yeah, I'm just like, dude. Like. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's killing. He saves the POWs and he kills all the people. And I'm like, yeah, we've seen this before. Okay. This is not new. We've seen this in a lot of movies, you know, but that's why the first one was such an epic because it was telling a unique new story. And it was dealing with the new new thing, but now and they and they kind of like shoehorned it in the cliffhanger where Troutman gets him out by you know promising him to if he goes and saves these people you know he'll get you know free and I'm like I don't I don't (laughs) think that that I don't think that could even really happen in general I I I think that if he killed all those police he'd probably be sentenced to death to tell you the truth (laughs) Uh, and the book I think he kills himself. Yeah, I, I think that my makes dad sense, had, actually. Yeah, my dad said something like that. It's just crazy that like then all of a sudden Troutman's, you know, telling him to go on this this other mission in part two. And here's the whole problem with that. Like there's always a thing where the hero's like, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go. <laughs> you know, and then he cliche, cliche. He's so bad though, like throw throw me a curveball, like trick me. Then, then I really respect the story. Like when I'm really tricked, and I think one thing is one way, and bam, I'm blindsided. Like that's what I love about writing, where stuff like that, yeah, it just gets caught into like a template. That's what it was. It was. It's very cliche. It's this very cliche situation, and that's that's the problem with a lot of the movies that keep. Like I don't know if you've ever seen uh, like Cobra. That's another Sylvester Stallone movie. Oh from yeah, the yeah, 80s. yeah. <laughs> That's like, it's almost like Duke Nukem, like, he has the one-liners and the shades and shit, like, yeah. Exactly, and it's really cliche. He just goes around, shoots, but that's it. And the bad guy, Brian Thompson, who's a bad guy and other things, too, but he's it, it's he's actually Shao Kahn in, um, uh, what was that one, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Annihilation. Oh, yeah, the second that's, one, yeah. That's, that's the killer from, from Cobra. They're the same bad guys. It's- Self <laughs> self parody is is the word that that, that we're looking for here. That is yeah. when Stallone has entered the realm of self parody. It's like Freddy Krueger. You know, you forgot the power glove. Like it now, it's <laughs> funny. Now he's entered this whole nother realm where it's like Stallone is pop culture, and now he's this one liner. Kind of like he he became a Stallone. <laughs> he's just a Stallone. It's a Seagal. He got a Seagal and a Stallone. He became a Schwarzenegger. You, you know exactly what I mean. I know exactly he, what you mean. He became an Arnold. He became an ex, what, expendable. Arnold. I am Arnold. He became a one-liner, like, extraordinary. Get through the chopper. <laughs> the, the Expendables is literally, like, them making fun of or just actually tributing that whole genre. Now there's three of those movies. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that those will oh, never be any five star flicks. Like Sharknado first... territory after that. Sharknado. Para reads in yeah, that one is. also. Full <laughs>
it's interesting you mentioned Freddy Krueger. Why did they make the that Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street the new one? I can't believe it. What an atrocity oh, they that did. Was horrible. Uh, horrible. Uh, That's another thing. Like just take out Robert England and just put in some random dude who doesn't even know what you know he's doing. Take out what makes Look it that magic. actor for Mortal Kombat. You know they did Mortal Kombat really? Nine, the reboot. They had Freddy Krueger. They used that Freddy Krueger. I'm like, it's Robert England. That's Freddy Krueger. This other guy's a phony. That's very interesting, though. No, oh, yeah, they definitely used it because it was right around the same time they're probably releasing the DVD of the remake. It's so stocked, though. Because like, like, oh, let's because just get this guy. Like in Mortal Kombat X, you hell? had Leatherface from the first movie and Predator, our alien. Uh-huh. And Predator, and it's like, so it's yes. weird. It's like they learn their fucking lesson. And Jason is uh, in the game as well. Because Freddy Krueger is Robert England. They're the same character. Like, if exactly. I could, I would I'd make a new Nightmare on Elm Street, and i put Robert England in. I'm like, dude, Robert England, we need to get you in for one last Nightmare on Elm Street. Let's make a good one now. And we don't, yeah. we can, we can, fi- we can fix this, fix this, end this on a good note. And we don't need, you know, we don't have to be on this last garbage one. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, to ruin it. He he's such a good spirit about like the actual new film. He's like, oh, it's great, it's great. Like, how could you? Jeez, I'd be so pissed off. But yeah, it's not just, great. It's awful, and he's, he's not so positive. <laughs> it's like crazy. I've yeah, never not great. <laughs> never seen a more positive person in my whole life. No, it's horrible. It's and, and <laughs> also the fact that they didn't they actually didn't want Craven involved. Wes Craven when they had the chance before he died, like to actually pick his brain, he was hurt by that. He had said like that, that really hurt him inside, you know, cause he, Wes Craven is again, he, he is nightmare on Elm street. Yeah. That was, to me, his magnum opus. Robert England and him yeah. are that because yes. Robert England embodies that spirit because see why I think Freddy Krueger is a better character than Jason Voorhees because Freddy Krueger is funny. He's interesting. He's compelling. You know, you like him. You like, you're supposed to hate him, but you also like him. Jason Voorhees, he's just a killer. He just, he's a masked killer who goes around and chops people up. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But Freddy Krueger is this fascinating, interesting character that you kind of want, you're on the line. You're like you're on the you're on the tip of your toes. Like, what? How's he going to kill this person? You know, like in uh, Nightmare Dream Warriors, um, he you know yeah. he um, what happened? Like, if someone sticks the head into the TV. You know, like yeah. where the girl's head gets stuck into the TV. Like, yeah, he's the prime time, bitch. Yeah, well, he has depth, and that that was Wes Craven was like a postmodern horror genius. All of all of Wes Craven's films are ahead of their time. If you look at it, Scream, it's like a self aware film. It's making you're fun right. Of, yeah, it's he was just ahead of his time. This, all of the stuff that he made wasn't like your typical slasher. Now, Freddie, there's like a dream aspect. So, yeah, he was he was freaking genius, like beyond genius. But yeah, man, it's there's just something to be said for the quality, and you can just feel it. You need effort, like that. You yeah. can tell when someone puts their when they put their heart and soul into it. You can tell the difference. There's yeah. a huge difference. Yeah, it's easy to phone it in. It's easy to just say, okay, I'm going to put the least effort and expect maximum. You know, and that I guess that's a kind of a capitalistic view is that I'm going to put least effort, maximum profit. How do I get the most maximum profit by putting the least effort? And I think that's not the best way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, make something that you're proud of and something you can exactly. look back, you know, with pride. 
Exactly. And yeah. put, just go all out. Like I was in a commercial for a t-shirt. It's the, the commercial is called fuck you, Gary. You can look it up on YouTube if you want to see it. <laughs> but, uh, but basically uh, I didn't, I didn't know what role I was going to do. And they just put me in. It says NSFW, not safe for work. Cause there's some curse words and stuff in it. Oh, and I'm yeah, just yeah. like, I'm like, I'm going to go all out on this. You know, I don't know what's happening here, but I'm going to put my maximum effort and it looks pretty good because it's well shot and it's only like one minute long. But the thing is, I said, I'm going to put this effort into the situation. So it's something that I can use for the future, you know, yeah. and that's important, you know, and, and uh, you can, especially when you're on camera, yeah. you can tell somebody's not being genuine. Oh, man. You can hear it in their voice, too, with podcasts and stuff. See it in their face, on video, podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, passion's needed. And you should really care. Like, whatever you're doing, just care about it. That's my that's my two cents in it, you know? Yeah, I think we have the ability to sense realism. It's like CGI. You can tell right away it's fake, right? <laughs> your brain just, like, clicks. So we have that ability to, like, feel that. The legitness. <laughs> Especially early 2000s CGI. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my Man. God. So bad. Uh, so good. Have you seen Event Horizon? <laughs> Have you seen yeah. Event Horizon? They had some pretty oh, bad yeah. CGI in that. <laughs> yeah, that was um, Sam Neill from Jurassic Park, and then he went to do that. And um, Morpheus, uh, Lawrence Fishburne's in there as well. Larry, Larry Fish. I thought the, the premise was cool, though, how you went through a, it's kind of postmodern horror. It's like a, it's like a time travel aspect where they figured out a way to like shoot an object through the universe. But when you came out the other side, you weren't the same. You were, there was like a demonic, I think like hell was located in, in like two, yeah, in like the nether zone. So in that between. was like an HP Love. It's very HP Lovecraft, though. If you think I would like it. to see more HP Lovecraft like oh, movies. Man, they, did, me too. they did Reanimator, right? That was an HP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very but loosely based, though. I want to see stuff with the Necronomicon, like uh, what was that? Uh, yeah. Evil Dead t- uh, harpens to that, but I'd like to see what was it like the Arab guy who writes the Necronomicon? I forgot what his name is. Oh, but, you know, like Abdul Aziz or something. Kyle yeah, that would yeah. be so. And it's just showing, this, showing that you know, because people like that, like the Arabian Middle Eastern scene yeah. where they're yeah. out there, and he gets the Necronomicon. Like we don't see that too much on, on on film. I'd like to see that kind of scene, and then you know, it comes and you know, like we just follow one of the texts and just make it come out, and then maybe put some H.R. Geiger, uh, anim, you know, you know, yes. horror elements in there. That would be so interesting. You're you know? already working <laughs> on your second book. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Win. <laughs> yeah, the whole scimitars and the even like then it goes to the Egypt with the pyramids and like all that combined. See, the, the, like the imagery of all that, I think it hits a certain part. I don't know if it's in everybody, but it's in me. It's obviously in you, but in certain it, people, it definitely it's just, hits a little nostalgia. It's like a, it's just badass. Like, oh my god! But it also hits this. an exotic element of ourselves. Yes, like yes. It takes us to another world that we don't see and we don't like they had tried yes. to do in gods of egypt they have it but i'm like yeah but you're not doing that you're not creating this kind of anxietic world that you're and the taking new, me the to. new mummy remake freaking no. on that oh. too completely CGI, man. 
the, the problem is and use real real props like use yes. the real real like scale like scale models do that that is so much more effective not this fake cgi stuff it, you can tell it's fake it's awful you know and, and with the new one they focus more on oh it's a female mummy now Okay, we're in the new feminist movement now, so let's yeah. make everything. Let's 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 cater to all the people, you know. <laughs> then we she, want, again, she horned it in. We want to yeah. make sure we have to pass the Bechdel test. We have to pass the Bechdel <laughs> test now. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. Right what do you think about own. Anita Sarkeesian and tropes against video games, tropes against women and video games? <laughs> all I have to say is, I was just at a convention, and there were so many women that you would be amazed because my wife brought her her clothing with that she sells and like literally there were women there more so than even at any of the gaming booths it was madness like there's where was it what was this convention uh replay effects in pittsburgh okay cool and and there was there was there's no women's movement needed like it's here like women are just as involved as men like like the ones that are doing that have an agenda they have an agenda. That's what she has an agenda. She wants to accomplish, and they, she wants people to know her name. And guess what? You know her name. I know her name. I don't know if Kyle does. Now he does. <laughs> I, think, I think there's some interesting elements that she discusses in her videos. For me personally, but I feel that there. I think that just like if you read any piece of literature, you have to look at the context of the literature and not yeah. just look at the literature and say, "Oh, it's sexist and misogynistic." I'm like. If you really want to do that, any like because you can be sexist to men too. There's a lot of objectification of men also, like, and that's what I think is unfair. If we're going to talk about sexism, let's put men the sexism towards men too. That's important also. We, yeah, we, there is sexism to men. Guilty Absolutely. of being a man. There you go. <laughs> even objectification. Look at how He Man is built. Does that look like any guy you know? Oh, how, how are the- I mean, it's kind of like exactly what Kyle looks like. Yeah, I wish. I fucking wish. Same, same hair, haircut, and everything. That's just funny. That the 80s like roid, like mania. Love even it. like the wrestling and yeah, the like, Arnold no, and no, Stallone. Even, even like the pro wrestlers Jeez. don't look like E Man. Even really, most of the people <laughs> never applied that don't look like E Man. They have muscles where people don't have muscles, you know? It's crazy, though. And this is how we depict it. And we say, oh, women have to have these beautiful bodies. They need to be well-formed, bell-shaped. And I'm like, yeah, maybe some people take that position. I, most guys I know, they don't care about that. That's not a big deal to them. Yep. You know? <laughs> right. uh, if I like the woman, that's good enough for me. That's it. I don't care how she looks. You know. Right, right. Yeah, it's more on the mental plane than the physical, especially in the long run. Exactly. You really have to get along with the person. You want a teammate. You don't want someone yeah. who's just like, uh, oh, she's super hot, but that's it. Like, okay, no, <laughs> one, I'm not interested. One-dimensional. Exactly. You want a partner in crime. I was like, exactly. Thing. Someone yeah. who really enjoys what you're doing. And, and that's the funny thing that I feel like for me, like I respect a lot of stuff in feminism, but I think that there's these other aspects that become kind of out of control. You know what I mean? I think like, of course we believe in women's rights, but like, like you said at the video game convention, women are there too, and women are welcome. And men are not men are not just these objectifying monsters. Some of them may be, but there are women who objectify men. I think that's it's all relative. It's not like generalization. There's, yeah. yeah, there's no general. Well, I don't think we can generalize it. How we've talked about before, people are assholes in general sense. <laughs> like right. you, you can't get around the assholes. Assholes are going to be assholes. Well, they like ruin I mean, it for everybody because they create the generalization. Yeah. Mass punishment. 
And they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. They're not just in one group. There yeah. are women who are like that. There are men like that. That's it, you know? And that's the same thing everywhere. There's prejudice everywhere. And the thing is, how do we get beyond that? Like, that's the important thing and not be so trapped by this situation. Like, especially like in college, you know, when we have discussions, like academic discussions, the funny thing is we have this discussion where we, somebody might have a certain issue, a certain kind of belief. And then if the teacher doesn't like it, like in my experience, they just shoot down the student. And I'm like, what's going on here? I'm like, this is a place where we should have open dialogue. We, like, even if you don't agree with the KKK member, I say let the person speak because I think we should have free speech. That's a good thing about where we are in this situation. I like free speech, you know? Exactly. There's always, this us, there's always this us versus them dynamic that's really interesting about people. You mm-hmm. always have to have, like, an us versus them thing. There was even this thing where there was a, a straight girl who was in softball and most of her team were a lesbian. But right. They, they ended up uh, making fun of her because she was in the minority. Oh, my God. So, and she, it was like in the news and everything in Chicago. And yeah, she was like, my team's making fun of me for not being like a lesbian because I'm the one of the one or two that aren't. Yeah, so, she's she's now the not not the peer. So it's like this us versus exactly, them. exactly, and majority Weird. versus minority. Yeah, mob that, mentality. Yeah. It's and it's terrible anywhere. It's an anything, right? It's like you feel stronger in yourself because everyone else agrees. So then you can like hurt somebody else, and it's fine. It's really bizarre. As the late great Ronnie James Dio says, "If you listen to fools." The mob rules. That's right. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> you, wait, wait, you said Dio you're from the from the band Dio. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Ronnie Dio. Oh yes. my god. Oh my god. Yeah. I was like, wow. We're we talking about the same guy who uh, said Holy Diver. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Holy <laughs> Diver. <laughs> I love it. It's awesome. Uh, it's awesome. That he's great. He was an yeah. awesome dude. It was so cool. You saw him in the interviews. He's just so laid back, and he's not into his whole persona. I heard no, um, Seagal is like that. Seagal get, really got into his persona that he's this <laughs> badass. I'm going to go and beat people up. He did that, that with too, uh, Luigi. Yeah. He did that with Luigi from you know J- John Luguizamo. Yeah. He, he 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 said he started laughing. He's like, I'm taking over this ship. And he started laughing. He's like, uh, yeah, you're joking, right? And then the guy he did like an Aikido technique to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Sagan, we need to chill a little bit, my man. You're yeah, you're supposed like, to be cool. Like, you don't need to do that, man. He's well, a man. <laughs> he's, he's hit like a De Niro thing where every movie he's the same too, like Arnold. It's like a typecast. Pesci's got it too. Well, like, Seagal's to the point where he's a joke now. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the same, like, rehashed character. That's that's what's cool about, like, like Johnny Depp at least tries to, like, reinvent himself every movie. He does, and it's amazing yeah. that his first start was on Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> ah. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and you wouldn't even know! You wouldn't know it's him, because he's, like, this handsome, young boyfriend of the main character. It doesn't look like Johnny Depp with his, all his outlandish costumes. You would never know it's him! You're like, oh my god, that's Johnny Depp who gets sucked into the into the bed, you know? Yes, the jock like who gets sucked into the bed. Yeah, that was one of the best death scenes ever, too. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of people have like George Clooney got his start in B films. Um, Kevin Bacon too, you know, like 
It's almost he was like in guys, Friday the Thirteenth. He was yeah, Kevin Bacon's in Friday the Thirteenth, and and Johnny Depp was in Nightmare on Elm Street. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And Jamie Lee Curtis was in Halloween. And right. Viggo Mortensen was in uh, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Texas, Massacre. Texas, yeah. He was in Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw Massacre. Which one? Three. Part three. Three, and part, okay. Part four has freaking wow. McConaughey in it. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. I saw the one with Matthew McConaughey. That's hilarious. He's so whacked out. <laughs> I love well, it. he's a wacky dude, and he's actually going to be in a Stephen King movie. Oh, really? That's, that's Dark awesome. Tower. Cool. Oh, my God. That. Oh my god, Matthew McConaughey's a great he's a great kind of like villainish character. He's great. Cool. I always liked him, like Days Confused, obviously, but yeah. He was always great. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. He's like, Yeah, hey, I'm trying to get he's like, I you know, I'm I get older, but the girls stay the same age. <laughs> you gotta enjoy it. Be a lot cooler if you did. Yeah, cooler if you did. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> that movie is a classic. And, oh my god. Yeah. It's one of the best ever. Wow. Yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> Even though the seniors look ten years older than the rest. What are <laughs> Well it's okay. because like that's the, I forget there's a certain kind of casting that they have. I forget the yeah. name of casting, by the way. It's it's all thirty year olds who play <laughs> you know high schoolers. Exactly though. It's true. The standard. It's totally true. Yeah. We were joking it's around funny. about that on our Friday the 13th episode. Yeah, how they're all like mid-20s to 30s. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking awesome. So we probably should wrap it up. That's cool. I'm ready whenever you guys are. Yeah, that was amazing, dude. We like went off the rails. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at bgbspodcast at gmail.com. But we also have a phone number. It is 262264BGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message. Um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right. See you later. Woo. Later.